Well, happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter. He is risen. All right, man, I'm glad that you're here. Like Dion said a little bit earlier, whether this is your first time at St. John or you've been here hundreds of times, we are so thrilled and frankly, we are honored that you are with us today. I'm Ryan Peterson. I'm one of the teaching pastors. I'm excited to share a message with you. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and then we're going to dig into a message together, an Easter message. Let's pray. Jesus, on a day like today, when we gather together, when families come together, uh, Lord, we give you incredible thanks for the God that you are, for what you have done throughout human history. And regardless of even how we feel or how we felt coming into this room today, Lord, I pray because you know us, because you love us, because you even gave your own son for us. God, I pray that you would meet us right where we're at and that you would teach us something that you want us to not only know, to not only understand in our brains, but Lord God, to feel in our, heart, in our hearts and allow it to impact and lead and change our lives. So Lord God, I pray for every single one of us in here. I pray right now, God, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us patience. God, that you would give us open ears to hear and open hearts to obey what you want to share with us this morning. So God, we pray it together in your name. Amen. All right, so today we're kicking off a new series here at St. John. You know, every time that we gather together in worship like this, we do series kind of four to six weeks at a time. And so today we're starting a new series called Living Legend. Now, you know, there are certain people who live their life. And when they live their life, they make such a significant difference in the world and in their lifetime that other people take notice. Those people are referred to as legends. Think about some of the legends that our world has seen. You think of a man like Stan Musial. Stan Musial, okay, beloved St. Louis Cardinal, incredible man, recently passed away. You know, it is said of Stan Musial, who was over 90 when he passed away. Here stands baseball's perfect warrior. Here stands baseball's perfect knight. There he is, a gentleman, a great player, just an incredible man who's made a difference in our town, but certainly made a difference all over the world. Think historically. You think of a man like Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, 16th president of the United States, leader and president during some of our world's most difficult times, during some of our country's most troubled eras, president during the Civil War. You know, regardless of what you think politically, you can probably look back at Abraham Lincoln and say, yeah, he was a legendary president. What about other people? Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, a woman who gave and gave and gave so selflessly. A, a woman who founded the Missionaries of Charity. A woman who did so much work all over the world, but especially on the other side of the world. She was a woman who helped kids and women and children, adults who suffered from HIV and AIDS. She made a difference and people took notice. Now all three of those legends have since passed away. But their legacy is still with us today. But think about those who are living. Because certainly even though they've passed away, there are legends among us today. Arguably, okay, Michael Jordan is the world's greatest basketball player. Now, I say arguably because I don't want to get a fight with you at Easter time, you know. It's Easter, we're happy, we're smiling, you know, pastels are in, all that kind of stuff, right? Okay, lilies are blooming, brunch is in a few minutes, I get it, okay. So we're not going to argue about that, but arguably 
Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player who's ever lived. Now, people don't remember Michael Jordan for his incredible baseball abilities. <laughs> and for really good reason. And certainly, people don't remember him in a good way for his incredible general management skills, which have led him to lead the world's worst franchise in NBA history. Okay, they remember him for his baseball skills. Michael Jordan, still alive, recently turned 50. Uh, did I say baseball skills? <laughs> the, see, you remember his baseball skills. He was horrible. He was awkward. He was 6'6", couldn't hit a ball, you know, all that kind of stuff. But we really do remember him for his basketball skills. Michael Jordan, 50 years old, still alive. What about Bill Gates? Bill Gates has changed our world. Bill Gates is the co-founder of Microsoft, of course, changing our world, leaving a legacy, also part of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, leading that, giving money away like crazy. So we've got legends, and then we have living legends. But what about Jesus? Where does Jesus fit into this mix? Legend? Living legend? One of many great legends? The greatest legend? I mean, where does he fit into this whole mix? You know, we might naturally jump to the conclusion, because we're in a church and it's Easter, that he's a living legend. But, but let's think about this a little bit. Even if he is, is he the greatest living legend who has ever lived? What impact has he really made in our world? Even 2,000 years later, where do we see the evidence of Jesus' existence? And how do we see it through the lives of people who believe and follow him? How do we understand all this? You see, there was a man by the name of Luke. Luke was a physician in the first century. And Luke, as a physician in the first century, carefully investigated everything that Jesus did. His life, his ministry, what he was all about. And he wrote it down in what we know today as the Gospel of Luke. So I'm going to invite you to simply don't believe me because I'm saying it and I'm up in front of you. But let's look together at what Luke wrote about this and this whole legend and living legend stuff. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. Uh, if you don't have one, there's one right in front of you. Go to page 1047. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, we use that every week here at St. John. I already saw some of you pull out your smartphones or grab your iPads, your Android. You can go to STJSTL. You can look at that right now. We're in Luke chapter 24. If you're turning there and if you're looking at it, you might look at a little heading above the number 24 that says the resurrection. Now, as you're flipping there, you know, as we're getting ready to turn there, here's what I want to say just right away. Right away. Many of us in this room, we have no problem accepting the birth of Jesus. We have no problem welcoming a baby into the world. Even a baby 2,000 years ago. But admittedly, there are some of us who are here today, less out of joy and more out of obligation, more out of duty to grandma and wife and mom and husband and parents. And we're not sure about this resurrection thing. We get the birth of Jesus. Legend? Yeah. But we're a little hung up on the resurrection. So we want to investigate this together, just like Luke carefully investigated all that happened Literally, historically, 2,000 years ago. We're going to start at verse 1. Here we go. Verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. Where'd they go? To the... Where? To the... 
to the tomb. They went to the tomb. They went to the tomb. Why'd they go to the tomb? Because they weren't expecting a resurrection. I mean, where are the guy disciples at this time? There's no guy disciples around. The women were taking spices to a tomb to a dead body. That's what they were expecting to find. That's what they were expecting to see. Do you think they had any hope of a resurrection? I don't know. They were acting like they were just going to a tomb to take spices there. And yet, and yet, they found something else. But what they found wasn't really what they were expecting. You see, in that time period, 2,000 years ago, halfway around the other side of the world, there were dozens of messianic movements that were going on in Israel right around that time. And in fact, I got to tell you, in the decades before and after Jesus' life, and his death, there were messianic leaders like him who also died for what they believed. So this was not all that strange that a rabbi, that a guy who who really taught and was out there, that he would be crucified and then be put into a tomb. That was not that weird. That was part of what happened then. But here's what happened. In every other case, the messianic leader was killed. And then the followers of that messianic leader, literally, after their guy had died, took their bat and their ball, and they went home. And the movement collapsed. But there was something different here. This movement didn't collapse. And it's all because of what happened after the death. Look at verse 2. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered... What were they expecting to find? They were expecting to find a body, naturally. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. At this point, totally confused by their experience. Like, what in the heck is going on here? Look at verse 4. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the... Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Legend or living legend? Look at verse 6. He is not here. He is risen. In other words, he is risen. Dude, Dion warns you that it might just pop up occasionally, okay? He is risen. Okay, do we believe that? Do we believe that to be true? Because for those of us this past year, who have lost someone who matters to us, a spouse, child, a parent, a friend, a colleague, for those of us who have lost someone, this year especially, since last Easter, what does a verse like this really mean? You see, if Jesus had only died, that's all he did, If Jesus had only died, how would that give any of us in this room or watching online, how would it give any of us any hope for any kind of future? How would it give any of us any chance or any opportunity to live a different kind of life? If Jesus had only died, if the game was over right there, how would that change anything about our world? Because frankly, we'd be like every other messianic movement where the leader died, where the leader was crucified, and where people took their bat and ball and they went home. And yet, something was different here. Something is different. Look at the second half of, of uh, verse 6. Remember how he told you. Okay, think back, think back, think back. Remember how he told you, ladies, 
while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. You see, this living legend said what he was going to do, and then he did it. And then look at verse 8. Then they remembered his words. They remembered that this leader said this was going to happen to them, and now they were witnesses of that reality. They were witnesses back then. But how in the world are we witnesses today? I mean, why is it that 2,000 years later, we're all in the same room at the same time? How is it that all over the world, all over our city, all over our nation, today, right now, there are groups like us meeting everywhere? How is that possible? Why is that really happening today? I mean, is the impact of Jesus' life that big? Is is the evidence of his existence that clear? Well, let's think about this for a minute. Try to imagine a world. Just try to imagine a world without the evidence of Jesus' existence. Do this in your mind. Try to imagine a world today without the evidence of Jesus' existence. What would it look like? Fewer churches? Probably. Uh, Fewer gatherings like this on a Sunday morning? Undoubtedly. Fewer Christian radio stations? Probably. Okay. Fewer uh, cute necklaces, cross necklaces around our necks? Yeah, probably. Fewer fish decals on the back of our cars? Yeah, probably. But think bigger. Think bigger than all that. How about this? Fewer hospitals. Fewer schools. Fewer orphanages. Fewer people who are willing to give their life to care for the poor and the lonely. Fewer neighbors who are willing to go out of their way to make your day. And then, and then just imagine this with me for a minute. Imagine a world where women were treated still today as second-class citizens. Imagine a world where children were simply a means to an end, where, where their only value and their only worth could be seen in what their parents could get from them. You see, we have a hard time imagining that kind of world, don't we? We can't even comprehend that type of reality. Because the existence and the evidence of Jesus' existence is woven into the very fabric of every area and every section and every part of our lives. You see, I for one believe that we've sold Jesus short in so many respects. We've sold him short, not only in how amazing he is and in what he has done in history, but how his impact is still felt today. You see, everything that we value today, Jesus valued first. Do you ever think about that? Everything that we value today, Jesus valued first. I would argue he is the greatest man who has ever lived. And certainly, you know, if you believe me, then that would make him a legend in his own right. But even more than that, everything we value today, Jesus valued first. What do you value in your life? Just think about this. What do you value? Do you value forgiveness? I do. Oh my goodness. I mean, forgiveness matters. 
Not holding on to bitterness and anger matters. You want a happy life? We've got to learn about forgiveness. What else do you value? Do you value relationships at all? Jesus valued them first. Do you value love? Love of someone else, love of your children, love of a spouse, love of people. Do you value that? Is that important to you? Jesus valued that and still values it today. Do you value a second chance at life? You know, if you're like most of us in this room, you can look back or you can look in the mirror. All of us could look in the mirror. And we could have regret and we could have anger and we could have disappointment about our past. And we we all do, don't we? We all do. But Jesus values second chances. He valued it first. You see, as we think about different areas of our life, and as we think about our whole life together, everything we value today, Jesus valued first. Jesus values dignity for women and children. You know, if we look at Luke chapter 24, we can see how Jesus values dignity for women and children. You say, well, Ryan, what's the big deal? Of course he did. You know, that's what he was about, right? But in that culture, and in that world, this is a really big deal. If you still have your Bibles open, look at verse 1 again, chapter 24. It says, the women took the spices they had prepared, and they went to the tomb. So Luke, again, Luke the physician, carefully investigating all this, highlights that it's women who went to the tomb. In verse 8, it's women that remember Jesus' words. In a male-dominated culture, and it was a male-dominated culture, this was a really big deal. Generally speaking, women were restricted to little or no roles when it came to life. They were always standing behind the man. They were confined to their husband's home or even their father's home. They were considered inferior to men back then, first century in the Middle East. You know, you think about children. Children were just kind of thrown on the side of the road if adults had no use for them. But Jesus, on the other hand, he brought something else. Jesus values. Notice I'm saying values, not valued. Did Jesus value women and children? Did he offer dignity for them? Of course he did. But he values it still today. Because the Jesus that I believe in is alive. He is risen. risen Yeah, he is. If you think about this first century, even more. If you think about where Jesus lived and where Jesus taught, women and children were given value and dignity like nowhere else in the world. And we still see the evidence of this today. You see, wherever the gospel has gone and the gospel has been received, women and children are given a chance at life. Women and children are valued in a significant way. You know, right now, our church is doing some crazy, awesome, incredible work over in Southeast Asia, in Cambodia. In Cambodia, women and children there, you know what they're known for? Sex trafficking. It is heartbreaking. It is heart-wrenching. I've seen it with my own eyes. Dion has seen it with his own eyes too. A bunch of us in this room, we've been there. We've seen it. We've experienced it. It's horrible. You know what else I can tell you about Cambodia? Cambodia is roughly 96% Buddhist. You see, where the gospel is being rejected, where it's not being received, women and children are not given the opportunities that they are when the gospel goes out. 
You see, we are the recipients of Jesus' revolutionary action towards them. But, but it goes even far beyond women and children. Jesus values compassion for the hurt and the hopeless. We all fall into that category, don't we? You, you might think you got your act together. Maybe you do. But have you ever felt hurt? You ever felt hopeless? You, you ever come to the end of your rope? You know, if you look at Jesus' life and his ministry, he showed concern for all people. If we, again, if we just look at what Luke said, if we look at what Matthew or Mark or, or even John said, it says that he showed compassion to blind beggars, to lepers, to those who were stuck in the past. I, I mean, isn't that us? So many of us are there. We came to Easter today there. And yet God wants to take you somewhere else today. You know, it's interesting to note as we think about Jesus valuing compassion. By the fourth century, by the time Christianity had become the accepted religion in the Roman Empire, it was the followers of Jesus because they believed that their legend is still living. The followers of Jesus constructed and built hospitals in every significant town, every cathedral town in the Roman Empire. They were simply living out what their living legend had not only taught them to live, but was living inside of them so that they might be able to make a difference in the world. We could talk about education. We could think about the ways in which those of us in this room or watching online have been affected by education. Jesus values compassion for people. But let's get even more personal here. Jesus values you. Not valued you. Yeah, valued you too. But Jesus values you. Your life. And your future. He values all of it. He values you. Why? Why does he care about you? One, he made you. He designed you. Second, he offered his life for you. And what we're celebrating today is not a God, not a legend who died on a tree 2,000 years ago. What we're celebrating today is that the tomb is empty. And because the tomb is empty, our lives can be full. They can be abundant, the Bible says. They can be so much more than what any of us would ever realize. We know this because Jesus says, I value you. I love you. You matter to me. Your life is significant to me. Your future is more than just some ideal of what it might be, but I want to give you a bright and amazing and an abundant future. That's what Jesus wants to offer us. He values you, your life, and your future. And because Jesus is a living legend, again, because he's not some guy who died a couple thousand years ago, because he's a living legend, and when we receive this truth in our lives, here's what I know. I know that when I talk to God, my prayers are heard. I know that when I have issues in my life, trust me, I got issues in my life. So do, so do all of us. I know that there is a God who is listening, who cares, who can do something about it. I know that when I face the most difficult circumstances, when I don't know what college to go to, when I don't know how to move on after my wife died, when I don't know how to raise my kids, when I don't know what job to take, I know that the God who values me, my life, and my future, I know it all matters to him, 
so much so that he's willing to die for it, I know that he's going to be with me as I walk through it. You see, the reality of the resurrection, the truth of Jesus not only coming, not only dying, but most importantly, being raised from the dead, is so much more than head stuff that we try to wrap our brains around. It is heart action that changes everything. I I don't know where you're at on your life journey. We want to help you take steps wherever you are. But wherever you are today, please know that the God who gave his son for you, if he is willing, think about this, if he is willing to send his son to die for you, and even more, more and bigger than that, if he is willing and able and capable of raising his son Jesus from the dead, if our God can do that, what can he do for you in your life? What thing that seems impossible can happen? Because we don't worship a legend, we worship a living legend. What can he do for you? So much more than we can ever imagine. And I'm going to pray for you this Easter that God would give you faith, even if you don't have it right now, that God would grant you faith to receive that so that your life can be different. I'm going to be so bold as to say so your life can be better, so it can be more abundant, more full, more satisfying, more purposeful. To the glory of God and for the sake of people you love. Let's stand. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, you are so much more than a legendary figure, than a legendary character that we read about in history books. Jesus, I believe that you are one who has come to offer and to extend yourself, to even die, but to be raised from the dead so that we might know the promise of eternal life. But God, we can also know that that life is more than eternal in the future. It can even begin today. So God, as we gather on this Easter morning, as we sing, as we hear, as we listen, as we interact, and now as we consider the implications and the reality of it for our own future. God, we just want to get really personal. We want to be real. We want to be honest. And Lord God, if we're on a life journey with you, a life journey of faith, varying degrees, God, move in us today because you are the one who is capable of moving a stone and coming out of the grave, being dead but now being alive. God, move in us today to recommit our lives to you. God, we pray for that. Everything that you value, that we value, we know that you valued it first. God, we want our lives to be different. So move in us so that they are. 
And God, you know our own hearts. You know that some of us here, we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting the resurrection, we're fighting receiving this, we're fighting a new life, but we like the way that things are. Even if we don't like the way that things are, God, we don't and can't imagine a different future. But God, we know that you can. So Lord, I pray boldly that your spirit and that the gift of faith would come upon us who are there right now. God, that you would open up our hearts to receive, maybe even for the first time, the life-changing, life-giving message of your salvation. Jesus, in the quietness of this moment, give us opportunity to pray. Lord, we know you hear us. So God, hear our prayers.